This is May the 4th. I've taken a week off to rest some, some and uh, it's so good to see all of you uh, that follow us on this Bible study. This is the 4th of May, and the month of May will bring many surprises. In the month of June, many surprises. I already know that uh, we are going to have rekindle later in the year. 
And I also know that we're going to have uh, a rekindle in Atlanta, Georgia, before uh, uh, around, around September, October. Uh, so as far as our trips uh, to Peru and uh, to Cuba, it will depend on, on Cuba and Peru as to how they're doing. And so uh, don't be surprised, uh, those of you who have uh, already uh, invested on your trip, it's in a separate account in Athens and uh, waiting for the trip to take place. Now this morning I want to talk about John chapter 9. As you know, uh, Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. And the idea of being blind from birth carries uh, a lot of questions and intents that uh, we have to consider in order to get, to get the idea. You see, we're living a pandemic in the United States where thousands of people are dying. And some of you are probably saying, this is an act of God because of my sin. Well, the book of Job repudiates this thinking all the way to the last chapter. But uh, yet still in our minds we have this idea that, uh, that uh, we're sick because of our sin. Yeah. And so how Jesus responds this argument by saying, Neither has this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God may be displayed in his life or manifested in his life. So he simply cuts to the chase immediately on verse 3, saying that there's no connection between this man being born blind and what perhaps his grandfather did or his mother did. And so the question here then becomes, what is a curse? Because if, there, if, there's a, if curses are inevitable in the life of people, then how does this balance out? Well, you know, a curse is a premeditated sin against the Word of God. For instance, thou shalt not kill. You know, it, it, when you kill someone, psychologically, you are affected, terribly affected. It doesn't mean that your son is going to kill somebody else. It means that the propensity of your son to have an anger is very high. Notice that I said propensity. Now let's take a look at more, more applicable ways. People say, what is the sin against the Holy Spirit? See, you can, you can every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven, the Word says, except sin against the Holy Spirit. Now have I seen sin against the Holy Spirit as a curse in the Holy Spirit. Yes, I have. Especially for Methodist uh, pastors and disciplinarians. I've seen it. I heard it. Now, do they, do, do, do they prosper in their lives? No. I, I, some of them are not with us anymore. And so you have to sort of look at this very carefully. Because even though uh, illness is not 
God's punishing us. But it can be a result of continuous, aggressive, blaspheming the Holy Spirit. So, healing the blind is forecasted then in the Old Testament through the prophets. For instance, Isaiah chapter 29, 18. I don't know if anybody would like to help me this morning. Uh, Those of you who are playing with your phones. Uh, Let's take a look. Go to Isaiah 29, 18. You ready? Yes. And in that day shall the deaf hear the words of the book. And the eyes of the blind shall see out of obscurity and out of darkness. Yes. Isaiah is testifying that, that in the coming day, people that, that were blind will be seen. So Jesus is fulfilling a prophecy. Notice that this, this whole month, beginning the month of February 1st, all the way to now, May the 4th, all the messages and all the studies that I have done was that the idea is to understand and be able to rationalize the, the concept of prophesying, speaking into people's lives, speaking into ministry. And uh, the idea of prophesying here is, is, is faith on, on steroids. Because faith is something that we believe in it and we feel it, we want to accomplish it, and we move in it and we do it in the name of Jesus. You know, uh, if you're a businessman, you, you, you ask God for wisdom and you, and you decide on something and it becomes a reality. If it is, if you are a, a pastor, you live by faith. You trust the Lord by faith. You know, uh, you're listening to someone who has done that all his life in terms of money. I don't know how in the world we're still alive, but my faith is strong that God will supply our needs. Prophesying is beyond faith. It's speaking to someone about something, uh, 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 to an organization, to a group of people, to, to, to what's happening in America today, uh, to uh, 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 events in the life of our country, you prophesy. So some of you are saying, really, does uh, pandemic actually is God? I don't know about that because, see, it could be a little Chinese who hates America and he just uh, made the virus and walked on the plane and came to New York City. We're dealing with a falling world. And there's a lot of people throughout the world that hates a country like the United States of America because we are a Christian nation. We have a lot of liberals that don't believe nothing, but we are a Christian nation. (laughs) And I don't believe that there is a, a, a Democrat who don't know God. They know God question is to know is one thing but to follow is another so so to be obedient is another and so Isaiah then began to prophesy about this this because this man was born blind now pay attention to that he was born blind meaning meaning whose sin this man or his parents and Jesus responds 
Not this man or his parents, but the work of God may be, may be manifested in me. Meaning Jesus just cleared the question right away. But let's take a look at Isaiah 35, 5. And then the other scripture is uh, Isaiah 42, 7. Take a look at that. 5, 5. Isaiah 35, 5. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. And this is, this is part of the ministry of Jesus. So, so Isaiah saw in the future, and he prophesied, he spoke, that the eyes of the blind shall be opened. Now, let me, let me say this. If you don't live a Christian life in this vein, it's impossible to grow. You know, I heard a young pastor speak to a small congregation in Athens these very words. We're going to be together for many, many years. And we're going to grow together for many, many years. Well, I can't grow if his faith is not worth a flip. I can't grow and develop if I have to follow him and what he knows and what he stands for. Listen. Against this idea of educational synthesis or educational uh, module, let me remind you of the last covenant. No men shall, all men shall know me from the least to the greatest. Amen. Meaning, the last covenant, Jeremiah 34, specifically say that all of us will know. And we don't have to have the same faith the pastor has. You know, I, I know a pastor that uh, talks football every Sunday. And he has good jokes, beautiful stories. There's no conviction. I don't want to follow somebody like that. In other words, I want to be there, be a blessing to him, support him. But I have to know who God is, what God is doing in me. Amen. Let's take a look at another prophetic statement. And it's uh, Isaiah 42.7. And I will appoint you as a covenant to the people, as a light to the nations, to open blind eyes, to bring out prisoners from the dungeon, and those who dwell in darkness from the prison. Again, to, to them that is in darkness, that sit in darkness, out of the prison house, and open blind eyes. So, what is that uh, that came against Jesus in this, in this John chapter 9? Were the Pharisees. Well, let's see what they actually believed and thought. Now, remember, the idea of teaching doesn't mean you, you are where you are. Teaching, you are an individual person to bless the kingdom of God. And to follow and serve the Lord in the way that He wants you. And, and, and the preparation of your faith has to be according to your call. You know, a young man contacted me today and said, uh, I've been told that I, I'm called but not to the Methodist church. Well, see, that's somebody judging him about his call. In other words, somebody has taken the authority to say that this is the way you are going to be. Not if I'm around. 
Because I'm going to go to every single United Methodist Church and, and meet the Methodist people the way I do, thousands of them, and take them to Cuba and fill them with the Holy Spirit. There goes the bishop's program. So what did the Pharisees thought? A child could sin in the womb. Even prior to conception. <laughs> Jesus responds all these teachings. So I told you, this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of him, the works of God should be manifested in him. In, in other words, uh, not, nothing is the same. Now, there'll be a day when all of this will cease. But until then, God's people have a call to combat evil and do good for the Lord Jesus Christ about what the church and the leaders decide. So don't be worried about how, how we're going to be as a church, uh, uh, United Methodists. There are at least a thousand men and women that will cough and contaminate with the Holy Spirit the next aisle and the group of young people and will grow strong in the Lord. I believe that the kingdom will grow stronger when it's against evil. Now, now remember now, let's go back to this uh, John 9, which is our passage this morning. Uh, uh, We're still in the Feast of Tabernacles. You know, Jesus is the light of the world. On chapter 8, He comes and spits. uh, uh, He writes on the ground something. But on chapter 9, He spits and makes mud. Now, He broke two laws for doing that. He healed on Sabbath both and also made clay. That's prohibited. But there's an interesting thing on King James Version on, on 9, uh, chapter 9 of John, verse 6. He anointed the eyes of the blind with clay. Let's take a look at that. He anointed the eyes of the blind with clay. Meaning that when he anointed the eyes of the blind with clay, with clay, the clay is just an instrument. The anointing is the Holy Spirit in him being transmitted to the man. So what made this man be healed, it wasn't that he went to wash. The anointing of God, the anointing of the Holy Spirit, the anointing of Jesus, just by... Now, why did he ask the man to go at the pool of Siloam? Well, he was in the temple, so he's got to go downhill. Every time I go to Israel, that downhill hurts. And also coming back, it hurts. You know, you have, to, you have to walk that walk of going up on the incline. So, uh, in Matthew 9.27, Jesus simply touched their eyes. On Mark 8.22, He spit on their eyes. So the healing power here is the same, but the methodology... It's different. And so how, how do we see this in terms of God blessing, anointing, cleansing? 
I went to my notes and I just uh, run out of notes so quick. Uh, let's take a look. Go into your scripture. He said unto him, Go and wash in the pool of Siloam. Naaman had the same problem in the, when you went to wash his leper, leprosy left him. And so the idea here is movement. Remember, I have been teaching you for many, many years, telling you that the working of miracles has to be on the part of the needed person. The working of miracles happens when you move from point A to point B. When you, when you walk in the church, and you shouldn't be in church because you really like to be fishing, as you go to the altar, as you get inside of the church and sit down, God can heal you during worship service. Communion heals people. So he went his way, therefore, and washed and came seeing. So the question is, what really healed him? The water, the pool of Siloam, I wouldn't say so. What healed him? The mud that Jesus made and applied to his eyes? I don't think so. Mud doesn't heal anybody. But the anointing on Jesus... When he touched his eyes. So, so the idea is simply this. The Holy Spirit in us, in different forms, in different ways, throughout us, can do greater things if we understand prophesying. You see a child that is sick. You simply get some oil and anoint it in the name of Jesus. That act is more powerful than feeding that child. When you walk inside of a hut in Brazil and you have a prayer with the family and they kneel down, you are establishing the kingdom of God in that house. It will stay. When I was about uh, 10 years old, 8, 9, 10 years old, my father would put me in the sidecar of a Harley-Davidson motorcycle and take me throughout Rio de Janeiro visiting apartment houses everywhere. Dad would come in uninvited and say, I'm Pastor Daniel Bonfim from the Maranatha Church down the street. And I came to have a prayer with you. Would you kneel down, please? And people kneel. So they knew God. The people understand God. They heard they need it. But the anointing comes when you activate that which you believe. Activate that which you say. Activate that which you pray. Activate that what you do. The anointing grows, develops into a mighty force. If you think that COVID-19 is powerful, you've got to experiment the spirit of Jesus. In other words, when he came in, you see, it, it changed as he approached the Lake of Galilee and moved into Capernaum. Thousands felt it inside. He draws people unto Him. And so, in America today, a lot of people are saying, uh, this is an evil that comes to me because of my sin. Not, not, don't take that. Don't, don't, don't do that. 
God is not that bad. God is good. God is love. He wants to be a blessing to you. But there is a virus out there. And this virus is, is very strong, very powerful. And it can kill you. And so you take your precautions, social distance yourself, and get involved into the lives of others by the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit which is in you, inside of you. Now let's take a look at uh, a couple more verses John chapter 9. The neighbors thereof, and they which before had seen him who was blind, said, Is not this he who sat and begged? Really, a neighbor is somebody that is awful friendly. But what these neighbors are saying is pretty much derogatory. In other words, this man is no good because he begs. It's not the one who sat and begged. It's humiliating. You know, if I beg for a living and you call me a beggar, that's just humiliating. And so, the neighbors weren't convinced. They weren't touched. Because now you see, the Holy Spirit is, is in the blind man because he welcomed Jesus in his healing. <coughs> so the question is this. Who else is going to be contaminated by the Holy Spirit? Take a look. Some said, well, there are more people there. There were those who were neighbors, and now some said. In other words, just passing by. Because the sight of a man who was blind from from birth is well understood. You, you, You will never forget this man. If you ever seen a blind man in your neighborhood... Walking. You always remember him as the blind man. And so the neighbors didn't believe. Some said means anybody else that saw him but could not understand it. This is he. Others said more people. So in other words, 25 or 30 neighbors. Another 10 opinionated on the subject. And then another 10... He is, is like him. But in the midst of all of these people that are questioning, the blind man said, I am he. Look, sometimes we, we believe that evangelism is a tool to bring the gospel. When we baptize people in Cuba, we don't quite uh, seem to sort of, uh, you know, uh, prepare things. The, the church prepares the music in the little generator, Honda generator, praise and worship, electricity, and we get up there and on the sand in our feet and 400 people to be baptized. What brought those people there... <clears throat> was the anointing of the Holy Spirit of God on the priest. And as the bishop of Cuba got on the microphone, the anointing doubled. When the pastor said something, it was okay. But when the bishop said something, it's another game. And I wanted to be a part of that. 
I wanted to feel something about it. I want to take something from it. And I was about uh, 20 feet from the bishop, and there was about 40 preachers all around him. And when I sensed that the anointing on the bishop was going to, when he lifted his hand upon the pastors, I run in order to get real close. But I, I got there just in time to be behind a six foot five Cuban massive man that fell on top of me. I was so I wonder I was under him trying to get away because he knew I, he, he's not supposed to be on top of me. In other words, <laughs> I, I got it. After that incident, I felt good about everything. I felt happy. I was able to stand with the bishop in front of him and baptize 400 people into profession of faith. Now let me ask you this. The anointing on that bishop is what got me from standing and baptizing 400. Meaning, it came as he put water from Siloam in obedience into his eyes and cleaned the mud. He, it, it, as the, as, the, as the, his faith is active, it cleansed. But it all started with an old prophet, Isaiah. Jesus implemented. You and I and others saw it. But not everybody believed. Not everybody took it in. Not everybody were part of it. And you've got to get adjusted to that. You know, we feel short of bed when we see the division, the, the ugliness in the life of the church. But that's the way it is. You, you, can't, you can't quite uh, uh, feel sorry about that. Oh, it's, it's bad. It's always going to be bad. When man is in charge, it's going to be bad. I'm just looking for one who will be healed and anointed and, and, and blind. And, and I've seen thousands. I've seen thousands. In other words, I'm happy because I'm not paying attention to some in the neighbors. Now, why do I believe that this man continued to be healed because he confessed publicly. If you confess before men, I'll confess before my Father who is in heaven. If you deny before men, I'll deny before my Father who is in heaven. So this morning, I am confessing to you that the anointing and the power of God in my life is my strength and my healing. Therefore, said they unto him, how were your eyes opened? Well, that's going to be a part of everyone who loves the Lord Jesus. Because when God begins to use you, there will be a lot of condemnation, a lot of persecution. You don't have it. This is, and you personally, the devil will just let you know that you are no good. That's a sign that you are. Amen. <laughs> Amen? Amen? How were your eyes opened? Well, wait a minute now. I, I, do I have to go in detail to a wall? Do I have to explain? So he, he's very polite. He simply he answered and said, A man 
who is called Jesus. Now that's a, a very clear confession, okay? A man who was called Jesus, made clay, anointed, now he used the word anointed. He could say, he put clay on my eyes, but he used the word anointed, meaning that he felt something. He knew something. He, he received a presence. That's every person you talk to, every person you get on the phone to talk to, every person you send an email to, every person you send a letter to, anyone that you get in touch with to in a 24-hour period, if they feel the anointing, you've done ministry. He used the word anointed. He anointed my eyes and said unto me, Go into the pool of Siloam and wash. I went and washed, and I received sight. That's, a, that's as plain as you can get. In other words, one, two, three, four. Here it is. They said unto him, Where is he? Now that's a good sign. Meaning that just because he witnessed unto them, they now want to know where is this man. I want some of it. Remember that your anointing comes with your mouth, your lungs, your ears, your eyes. I'm not saying for you to spit on every plate that you're going to serve in Brazil for 150 people to eat. But you could do a little sprinkling. You know, you can get a little oil and say, let me the fire. Another, another, the, the anointing of God operates on the wheels of prophesying. The anointing of God moves in the engine of prophesying. The anointing, the anointing of God is a life when you act on it. Did you get in this this morning? You've got to act on it. You've got to live on it. You've got to believe that there's something greater. He that is in you, he that is in, in me, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Greater the one that is in me. Now what do you mean greater? Very great. How great? Powerful great. How, 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 how much? Anointed great. In other words, when you say yes to Jesus, you've got the most powerful Holy Spirit virus you can find. Because you'll travel miles, distances, and reach thousands of people. You know, I, I, there's 340 people that have been watching this program in China. I believe that the 340 now must be a... Uh, about 500,000 that, that have decided, listening to me, listening to our studies here, Betty McKinney, Jonathan Dunn, uh, 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 Kathy Fallon, and, and, and Matthew Fallock, uh, and Frank Appel. All of, in other words, we're not wasting our time down here because I believe the greatest he that is in me than he that is in the world. Amen? Good. You got something today? You feel like fulfilled, got something to chew on. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. See you tomorrow. Thanks for tuning in. Visit www.lateran.com for more teaching. See you next time. Thanks for tuning in. Visit www.lateran.com for more teachings. See you next time.
Thanks for tuning in. Visit www.lighterain.com for more teachings.